Welcome to this week's episode of The Last Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, also known as Eugenio, and with me I have... Lydia, I play Bizdira. Karin, I play Kit. And Alex, I usually play Flick. I don't understand... (laughs) Okay, Uh, last week we had a little roundtable discussion about the campaign in general, how things have gone so far, thoughts and feelings about religious colonization, and I dropped a few info bombs about what else is going on in The Last Refuge that the players didn't know about up to this point. Uh, This week we are going to do another roundtable chat, but we are focusing in on the various prophecies that the players have received over the last year and a half. We're going to talk about each of the prophecies, uh, the players' theories for what they might mean, and then how those prophecies may or may not affect their decisions as we approach season four. Let's go ahead and get the conversation started. Let's jump right in. Hey, y'all. Hi. Hi. How we doing this week? Pretty Lovely. Good. Hey, that was that was more confidently good than last week. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think it's because we were unclear as to what we were getting into. Now I feel like we're all really prepared. You are ready for it. That so, plus yeah. the coffee's kicked in. Right. Yes, definitely <laughs> definitely more coffee. Um, okay, so we're going to go through... There are essentially four major sets of prophecies that we're that we're going to sort of talk about and and uh speculate about on today's episode. So, um just to real quick throw them out uh so that listeners you can sort of begin to remember what they are and and as we go through and talk about them, uh I'm going to insert the clips so that you can hear these prophecies in their original form in this episode so you don't have to go back and search for them. Uh so the first prophecy that we're going to talk about are uh the initial prophecies from the very beginning of the podcast. I don't know if you all remember, but as each of our characters awoke when they arrived in the last refuge they each had one very short vision uh, of something uh, the next set that we're going to talk about is Flick's first prophecy that he got when he first cast Prophecy with the Shimmer Scale. Then there have been a few, not prophecies necessarily, but prophetic statements made by Chuckles over time. So we're going to real quick touch on some of those. And then the most recent one that we want to include is uh, Zagara's mysterious prophecy when his eyes turned black and he uttered some prophetic things. So we're going to start with the initial prophecies from the beginning of the podcast. And Karin, I think you have those prepared for us, right? Indeed, I do. Okay, so why don't you tell us what they were to start? Great. Uh, So at the very beginning of the podcast, as you said, uh, we each had a vision of sorts that um, showed us either a clip, I would say, of the future or um, a nugget of information that we took forward as we were going into um into this campaign so uh they were all i am assuming visions from Givrail, and some were uh messages in his voice and we each had a separate one so flick's vision was all that you can remember is a voice the voice that you remember guiding you from your family into your new life and it's saying whatever happens you must consecrate the temple Consecrate the temple. Uh, Bria, when she awoke, she had a vision of her and the others surrounding her in the clearing, a.k.a. all of us. And the vision is of you and the other three individuals that you saw lying on the ground with you here in this clearing, trekking through an unfamiliar wilderness. You... Briathos, unerringly are leading your companions through treacherous terrain toward your goal. 
You know that as soon as you crest the next hill, your goal will finally be in sight. Can I interject mm -hmm. here for a second? Because I find it very funny that Bria would be the one leading us, even though it's always Kitten Benzidira, because we have the best (laughs) survival. Well, you know, she is supposedly the cartographer, so I think that's what it is. (laughs) Fair enough. You know, I forgot about that. It's been too long. Bria needs to come back. (laughs) I went back when I listened to the whole episode, and it was mentioned in that episode, which is the main reason I remembered. Uh Uh-huh. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, when I, or when Kit woke up, I should say, uh, I had a sense of great peace and contentment. You remember feeling a sense of great peace, a contentment that there was a true balance in the world and that you knew that you had played a role in that. You get the briefest glimpse of a civilization living in perfect harmony with nature when Bizdira woke up much, much later due to the first crit fail of the campaign, <laughs> uh, she had a very brief message from Gavrail. You remember just before that explosion of sensations, you remember him saying to you, prepare the way, daughter. And that's what we all started uh, the game knowing. Mmm, juicy. Okay. Um, So before we uh, start sort of talking about all of the prophecies together, do any of you have, uh, oh, one thing that I should have done at the top of the episode and that I will do now um, is just sort of remind everyone about prophecies and things that we all know about the way prophecies work in fantasy stories, Um, which is that, uh, one, they are always uh, super confusing and obscure and vague, right? And they never quite come true the way that you think they will, right? Which is one. Two, and this is not always necessarily true in fantasy and fiction writing, but is going to be true for us, is that, how do I want to say this? Uh, These prophecies and divination in The Last Refuge is uh, a vision of likely endings, uh, and some portion of it is truth. But obviously, as I've said before, you all have control over this story, right? And so you can change what is to be, right? Um, But number three, like in so many stories, maybe changing what is to be is actually going to make the prophecy come true in a way that you didn't expect, right? So as we talk about these, we of course always talk about anything prophecy related with a bit of a grain of salt because it's all very nebulous and obscure. So knowing that, uh, what do you all think of these opening prophecies? What do they mean? Have you achieved them? Are you going to achieve them? Have you thrown them off the rails? What do you all think? Mine's pretty simple. We haven't done that yet. (laughs) You have not done that yet. That is true. (laughs) Um, It's funny because I... I must be thinking of a different thing because I was thinking that my whole thing was that the kobolds have the keys. But I'm thinking that that was just something else kind of uh, – That was another message delivered to us at another point, I think. At another point, right. So um, I feel like that uh, – Bizdir would feel like there's a lot of pressure on her now to be like, hmm. show them the way. Like, I don't I, I don't get it. I don't – what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, One other thing that is not like directly from these visions, but I think is relevant to the conversation and particularly uh, to Flick's vision is I went back and listened to um, the beginning of season two slash the end of the character episodes. Uh And uh, we also uh, were told 
in that point uh, that he that Gabriel was dropping us off at one of five locations, one mm-hmm. of five temples, mm-hmm. and he wanted us to consecrate all five of them. And Flick was to consecrate them all. And then we, his daughters, were meant to keep watch while Flick was doing this. Gotcha. I recently went back and listened to that, too. And I remember that now. Yeah. yeah and and one thing that we talked about last week um, about how Gavriel didn't really know what was going on in the Last Refuge and this world, other than that there were these five temples, um, has a lot to do with the title of our very first episode. Something goes wrong, right? You all were plane shifted and something went terribly wrong, which was the beginning of finding out that Gavrail doesn't know everything. And uh, again, prophecies are subject to change. <laughs> and I think it goes a long way to show that fathers don't always know everything. Oh, they're human too. They're, they're allowed look to be the, wrong. I mean, he's not a human, but yes. Well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> fathers are not always right. Right. Okay, good. Any other quick thoughts about these individually? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean... Mine certainly has not yet been accomplished. <laughs> um, yeah, tell me, tell me a little bit more about like what you think about it. Like, what is it? Uh, yeah, tell me about it. Yours seems to be a little bit the most sort of like off track from what has been happening. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I feel I feel like the vision was implanted in my head to make me think that following this path will set up whatever civilization we come across to be like this like beautiful utopia where people live um in harmony with nature and there's peace and contentment and blah blah blah, which is are obviously things that Kit would really love for the universe. Um and it's yeah, it's kind of feels like a little manipulative. And I'm I think like, part of it is like, you know, part of it is me as a human being. But also, I think part of it is truly Kit as a character and seeing uh, seeing the effect that our actions have had on this world. Um, it feels like a vision that has been implanted to get her to follow this path of consecrating the temple and bringing Denier to this uh, realm. But and maybe there is a world where a path that we take where that comes true. But I am not convinced both as a player and as a character sure. that, uh, that the path Gavrail wanted us to take will lead us to this future. I love that. That is something that I, I want to keep in mind as we talk about more of these prophecies, which is where are they coming from? Who is sending them? What power is, is providing them? And like with any, fiction narrator how reliable is that point of view exactly Um, i think that's i think that is really smart of you to notice uh so that's something that we should keep in mind as we go forward um any other thoughts about these four uh little mini prophecy lits in particular yeah um i'll bring up uh the fact that one of the first things that bria did in that episode was check to see uh whether the surroundings matched what she had seen in her vision um, to see if the hill that we were supposed to be climbing was nearby. And while she couldn't say for sure that that was the case, um, she perceived that the land could be the hill in her vision, which is interesting because it's something we've never gone back to. Um, and I don't know if it's a thing for us to, if we do want to go back to it at all, but it's interesting to note that there may be more things in this world for us to explore rather than just going back to the temple. Sure. Excellent. Anything else, Alex or Lydia? I think I'm good with these. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're they're all pretty vague, and I think that eventually it'll come to us what they really mean and what what's being asked of us. Sure. More so, like than it is right now. Yeah, yours and Flick's were were different in that they were uh, memories of commands given you rather mm-hmm. than visions of possible futures, um, which also was intentional. But we'll talk about that later. Okay, <laughs> cool. Let's wrap these three, and we will we will come back to them as we talk about um, what all of it means together. But for right now, let's move on uh, to the end of season one slash the beginning of season two, uh, I believe is when this happened. Uh, when Flick first cast Prophecy using the Shimmer Scale. Flick, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, very, uh, we've got a lot of, this is a prophecy with some, well, a couple prophecies with some meat to them for sure. Um, the first one uh, if you will remember, listeners, is the one with the birds in the nest, the sort of like watercolor painting. Um, and you, we can go ahead and listen to that now. And the first thing that you see is it's sort of disorienting and it's almost like uh, you're seeing, well, we would know it as like like animation, like watercolor paintings that have been animated, but it's very strange to you. It just looks like not quite real. You're seeing images, you can identify them, they're moving, but it just, there's something about it that is strange. And what you see, uh, you're, you're in a very tall tree, and in the branches of this tree is a large bird's nest. And in this large bird's nest are four bird cages, each containing a baby bird. And these baby birds are just old enough to be <laughs> are just old enough to be able to fly, but they can't learn to fly because they're caged. And try though they might, they can't get out of the cages. They can't get away. And one I am by in one. The, sorry, I am in the tree with them. Well, you're sort of you're seeing just it from the point them. of yeah, from the point of like being next to the nest. Gotcha. Um, one by one, though, the cages, the door of the cages open. And then the cage disappears, and the birds are able to leap off of the branch, out of the nest, and off of the branch and fly. One by one, each of the cages does this. And once they've all been freed, you feel a sense of, of power and liberation. But very quickly, the four little birds catch the attention of something terrible. You feel fear and horror, and then nothing as the birds are swallowed whole by something you cannot see. Delightful. I'm mm-hmm. so mad at you right now. So as you can hear, I mean, there's a lot. This is obviously very metaphorical. And something else that I want to point out, um, I went back and looked at the description, the spell description of prophecy, just to see, because this is obviously uh, Flick cast prophecy after having the shimmer scale for a year. He thought, hey, I might as well try this out. Um, that's literally what happened. (laughs) And, um, so I was reading it and I'll, I'll go ahead and read that now too. Um, it says, uh, after spending one hour preparing yada, 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 uh, the caster experiences a number of premonitions, visions, portents, and omens about the future equal to 1d4 minus one. That, so that's, I just wanted to check the wording, uh, about premonition, premonitions, visions, portents, and omens. So that's kind of what I wanted to point out first is what do we think this is? Do we think this is um, an omen of sorts? Do we think this is uh, a straight up 
vision. I mean, obviously, it's very metaphorical and not really literal. You know what I mean? So the interesting thing is because, like, I didn't remember this prophecy at all. At all, at all. This, yeah. But it connects to the prophecy that I have later on. That we can talk about. Oh, good, good, good. Yay. I'm glad. Uh, that's connections. That's, yes. I'm shocked. Yeah, yeah I know. That's, that's I'm, good. I'm too shocked that we figured that one out. Um, <laughs> so I think it's kind of interesting. And my first instinct is that, you know, uh, first of all, my, my thought is that our, we're the birds. Like, that's that's my first See, thought. See, that was my first thought as well. I agree. But dot, 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 keep going. Um, I don't know if I really have anywhere to go with that besides <laughs> we're the birds. Uh, because mainly because there's four of us and there, there, we haven't really come across the number four in any other realm. Like there's only three real species on this island. Um, and there's three keys. So like, unless there is a fourth key that we have to find, but I don't think that there is. Well, I mean, it opens up a lot of... I mean, when I was listening to it for the first time way back when we recorded that episode, of course, uh, my mind went straight to mm, Flick and his siblings. That's exactly where I went. And I was talking to Karin a little bit before this episode, and I said um, how that this prophecy was colored in my mind because that's automatically what I assumed. But I mean, that could also be us. It could also be the four, like the group of the three siblings and the other Asimar that we don't know about. I mean, there was, there was more to it than what I initially assumed, which I thought was interesting. Right. Um, The fact that they, did you have something to say, Corin? Um, you keep going and then I'll say my first interpretation. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, I, well, no, go ahead because I think what I'm about to say could be affected by what you had to say. Okay. Um, I think that upon hearing this and especially hearing it again for the first time after we've gone, gone through so much, um, I think the way that I immediately interpreted it was we were the baby birds and I think that the and obviously like a lot of this is colored by my own personal feelings surprise surprise (laughs) um but it seems like the the cages could be you know the world that we lived in before and the um specifically like our ties to the Forgotten Realms and to Denier and Gavrail, and then suddenly we're in this new world where we don't have any of those memories, we don't have any of that tying us back, and suddenly we're like, wow, we can fly, we're free, we're level two. Um, (laughs) uh, But with that freedom lurks something much more dangerous uh, that threatens to overtake us. What is that saying with great... With great power comes great responsibility. Comes great responsibility. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I I mean, of course, my interpretation was something along the lines of those are my siblings. And for some reason, I had the idea that one of them got away or something. Like, I, I fully colored this in my mind when I was listening to it because that clearly does not happen. Um, and I thought the big evil thing was my demon father or whatever. Like, I thought it, I, that was my initial thought. Devil. Devil. Sorry. God, listen to me. Um, but that could also be now that we know that there's a beast. I mean, that could also be literally the beast that 
is trying to, you know, or that nobody wants to unleash. Um, I just think there's a lot of possibility with this. Yeah, I agree. And I think especially the question of like, what is this dangerous thing that's going to engulf the birds, us, whatever? Um, Yeah, there, there are so many possibilities for what that could be it could be uh i don't know it could be chuckles it could be the beast it could it could be your father and maybe that's what your siblings are trying to do they're trying to bring him to this world yeah diametrically opposed to what we're doing absolutely and this well this is a little bit of a change of subject but what do we think the this is and this is a true question for the group what do we think the cages represent well, I already gave my interpretation. <laughs> Religion. Yeah. Reli- yeah. <laughs> Religion, right. I mean, cages could mean so many different things. It could be bits of ourself that we're holding back. It could be uh, memories from our past holding us back. It could, you know, it's the idea of a cage is so broad as far with when it comes to metaphors. Um, but I think... I think there's some truth in what Kit was saying. I was like, you know, with being in this new world, like part of that is the cages disappearing. You know, mm-hmm. like we we finally have our own uh, the ability to own up to our own decisions and and have our own power within ourselves. Sure, right. There's nothing guiding us anymore. There's nothing keeping us safe. So right. it's up to us to go out and find our own destinies Boom. right but it's it's Love not it. just about safety like it's all like because yes a cage can keep you safe but it also keeps you trapped in, yeah exactly in the idea of like you have to like this is what you're doing this is all you're doing so absolutely releasing out of the cage could be our finding our own empowerment Hmm. Hmm. i like all of that are we good with that one Oh. I, I would like to be good with that one for now because, like uh, Lydia already mentioned, it's going to come back in some ways when she talks about hers. Perfect. So I why love don't it. we? There was, a, I believe, there was a second vision. Am Absol- I remembering correctly? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go on to that one, Alex. Let's go on to that one. Um, let's go ahead and roll clip. Your vision lurches again, but this time everything is very clear, very realistic. It's not paintings but as if you are standing there and in fact you can sort of tell that for the moment at least you are seeing through something's eyes okay and this something is looking upon three tieflings two female and one male you immediately recognize them as your siblings yep i got it <laughs> and they stand before a stone building that seems familiar but also different. Two of them hold an item reverently in their hands, one of which seems similar in shape and design to the shimmer scale, though a, a different color, and it drips with blood. All which, three of the tieflings. May I ask which two are holding these objects? Your sisters. Great. They all three turn and stare right at you. And you feel a sort of jerking motion, and you are pulled back out of this being that you were seeing through the eyes of. And as you are pulled back out of this creature, the creature steps forward, and another figure is there. Another female, holding a third item, also similar in shape to the Shimmer Scale. And this female has a cruel and evil grin on her face. And you realize with a start 
that this female is not a tiefling. She is an Azamar. Great. Um, so this one is obviously a little bit more literal than the first one that we just discussed. Um, yeah, there's a lot in this one, uh, particularly because it is more literal. Um, the first thing is, uh, I want to know what you all think about this Azamar. I mean, she's the fourth sister. Like, no, <laughs> she's no got joke. It. Come like, on, percent, no questions about it. She's yeah. the fourth sister. Something went wrong. Something she goes wrong. Evil, and Flick replaced her. We already know. You already. We. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> okay. I mean, watch me be totally wrong, but I am like dead set. <laughs> she is our sister. <laughs> Great. Um. Does that? I mean. As we talked about last week, they're not on this island with you all, so the odds of you encountering them in the near future are, are pretty low. But does that does that present any thoughts and/or feelings if you ever do need to confront this other group? Uh, yeah, that makes me real nervy, real nervous. <laughs> so this is something that was said to me as a small child um, when little me wanted a sister because I was surrounded by boys. Um, I was told, you don't get to choose your family. You mm. don't get to choose your sister. Like, you you might have a sister and you might not get along, but your friends are who you make your family and your friends mm. are your sisters. You can choose those. And that, to me, has always stuck out as really poignant and really important and because of that reason, I take it as like, even if she is our sister, we have no memory of her. We have no interest in her. She is against our agenda. Like, she is not our family. Like, Kit, Bastira, sure. Bria, Flick, those are family. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, agree. And just straight up power-wise, my siblings are badass. They're, yeah. and they're not, they don't hold back. I mean, they're, you know, they're not one to hold a punch. They're not, they're going to go full force all the time. Um, and yeah, I mean, just remembering what, how our, my background episode went. I mean, my oldest sister is, she's, uh, fierce in every sense of the word. She, yeah. I mean, she just goes for it. She doesn't care. Um, yeah. Talking about that, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's a great segue actually to the next thing that I wanted to to talk about in that vision, which is um, the blood-drenched key. Yes, Since you yes. now know that those are keys. Now, there were a couple of things about this prophecy that I wasn't very clear on when I uh, gave you the prophecy in that episode. And that was for a couple of reasons. One of them is because I... I um, just had not quite adjusted to thinking like you all at that point in the story. And I knew exactly what I meant and didn't translate that for what you all were expecting. But the other is there were some things that, that you all didn't know yet. And I was trying to not give things away for free. And in doing that, I sort of muddied the visions a little bit. And we've talked a little bit, a bit about this since, but a few things now that you know that these items are keys and now that you know that this, that this group is not on the same island as you. Um, one is, um, that this key is covered in blood as though it was won through bloody, bloody battle. It had... Not that the power of this key is blood or something like that. Right. right? It's not like Which blood I was... magic or something. <laughs> right. It was covered in blood because it was, it was taken through bloody force. Yeah. And I think 
you told us that at some point down the road. I think I did too. I just sort of wanted to reiterate it. Uh, it yeah. felt like an important distinction. The other thing now in particular, since last week, I confirmed for you all that they're not on the same island as you, is that when I said like familiar but different location, what I was trying to say is it's not. there are certain things about it that are the same. That it are is similar. not the same building it's as not. your temple, but it is likely one of the other temples that Absolutely. you all right. now know to yeah. exist. The five. And, that right. all, and that all makes sense. And I think it's, I mean, it's funny that my mind was blown so much last week about that. And then going back and hearing the prophecy, I'm like, oh, well, clearly that's not, you know, like that's, <laughs> I think I just get, I think I got cut up in my own character, which is just, yeah, that's fine. It's just, you know, that's, I think that's an interesting fact. Um, okay. So that one was uh, also in terms of its purpose was sort of more about letting you all know that there were outside factors and agents acting on this world and you all sort of needed to get your rears in gear. Um, so is I don't, is there anything else about this one that we want to talk about? I think I'm good. Right I mean, this one is, like you said, there's a lot to it, but there's a, it's more information-based and less yeah. analytic. You know, you can't be analytical yep. about it. Okay. Yeah, I think that this vision will end up affecting uh, the choices we make down the road as we consider that there is another team that's going around and likely consecrating the temples for probably a force that we don't want anything to do with. Um, But I don't think there's like much interpretation of it that's needed. I think it's just knowing that this is happening will affect the choices that we make. Sure. Totally. Okay. The next one that we want to talk about, um, there's just a couple of things that Chuckles has said. They haven't been true prophecies like the last two things that we've talked about and and like Zagara's prophecy that we're going to. But he has said some prophetic things. He seems to have some uh, some foreknowledge about stuff. Uh, so we just wanted to include some of the things that he said. So there were really uh, sort of two main things that he brought up at two different times about um, what is to come. The first one was back in the very early days of season two when you all first uh, when you all first met him and confronted him in his chambers. They mean you no harm. They watch for signs and they believe that the time approaches. And the second thing that, uh, the second sort of prophetic thing that Chuckle said was just in an episode, uh, not too long ago, a little over a month ago now, uh, speaking in vague. They warned you once that the time was coming, that it would return. What that is time it? is near. What is it? Four will release the beast. Aha. So now the question is, is the four us or is the four Flick siblings? Yeah, I think that's a question that I think I raised in the very same episode, <laughs> or shortly thereafter. I think it is. Um, so this, we had already seen uh, some sort of lurking horror in Flick's uh, prophecy spell, but this one brings it up again. Um, what do you all think that might be? I mean, you've already said, like, maybe it's something that the siblings are trying to summon. Maybe it's your dad, uh, uh, Flick. Any other thoughts about what it might be? I mean, a dragon, a, dra- <laughs> a dragon that comes um, out of a dungeon. <laughs> the temple leads to a dungeon. Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> no, nah, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I mean, who's to say? I mean, the beast. I mean, that's such a an interesting word choice. I think, um, obviously, something that has been here before, um, mm-hmm. whether it's a being or just a presence. 
Um, it could also mean I had another thought. Um, oh, when we mentioned it to the Guardians, they did not want to talk about it. That's what I also think is interesting. Um, and they knew what I was talking about, and they refused to talk about it. Um, so obviously a little taboo, but we still have to know what it is in order to not only interpret the prophecies, but just know what we're up against. Yeah. And I, I wonder if, um, I wonder if the beast has anything to do with, uh, the cobalt origin story and whether, you know, whether that history has shifted through the years, but whether, um, whether that, you know, the dragon that started the Shimmer Scale tribe, whether that's related to this. And it's not a benevolent dragon for the Cobalts, but something more sinister. Or whether the beast is a gray figure rather than, like, black and white, the beast is bad. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Also, I mean, we could, I mean, we could go into so many discussions about like that specific lore um whether or not they were given the shimmer scale um because our shimmer scales seem to be uh i i don't even know how to put them i mean i who's to say if there are evil versions is i think what i'm trying to allude to um who's to say you know whether these different temples these five different temples that are opened obviously by three keys each you know like what are there nature, you know, that, I mean, I think that could go into, we, we could go into so many discussions about that, I think. That bring um, up, for me, that brings up the nature nurture argument is like, are the keys evil or are the, <laughs> is it the people? All of a sudden we're talking about keys. cognitive dissonance and then we're getting into psychology and it's a whole thing. It's, um, it's a whole yeah. thing. Um, the other question that obviously we're not going to be able to answer this now, but the question that that brings up for me is whether, um, like, I can't help but feel like if there are five temples and opening, I'm assuming we're kind of assuming that opening the temple releases the beast, but is it that all five have to be opened at the same time, which might complicate Mm. things and might have nothing to do with anything, but I, like, it feels like something will happen when all five of the temples are open. And there's got to be, and then on top of that, there's got to be a reason why the guardians don't want to open the temple. Right. You know, whether they know or not, you know, they've been told through hundreds and hundreds of years of being passed on, you know, training what uh, new recruits to, that's why they're there is to guard the temple so that nobody opens it. They are the right. Thackeray Binks to the Sanderson house. <laughs> but but it's not until a virgin lit that candle that they finally defeated the beast right so we gotta go in and light the candle that's my thought on it boom mic drop all right well where are we gonna find a virgin huh <laughs> lydia i'm not here to joke around right now i'm taking this very seriously so if you could too that would be really right. great thank you you're the one that brought hocus pocus into it so you know don't blame I, me for I don't know what along. is not serious about Hocus Pocus. I have no clue what you're talking about. Um, moving other on. Other thoughts about this one. Are we moving on or are we good? I, I, I think, feel like yes. this is... I feel like we have to move on because I don't think... Like, I yeah, don't this, think there's anything... The, 
other than that, yeah. there are only so many words that we can analyze. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, last but not least, um, we have what Zagara spoke to you, which which is, uh, on the one hand, stuff that we've heard before, but we should hear Zagara's take on it. So, Lydia, why don't you walk us through that one? So, Zagara has an interesting little moment with Kit. And a voice comes out from Zagara's mouth that is not Zagara's. And the voice says... The birds are freed, one by one, and the destroyer awaits, as above, so below. Dun dun dun! Dun dun dun! Now, so, <laughs> the birds are freed, obviously that goes back to the birds in the cage. That alludes and to that. my prophecy. <laughs> right. And the destroyer, because your prophecy had them all get swallowed up by something, right? Something terrible, yeah. Right. That's an exact quote. <laughs> right. So, birds are freed could mean cage, or could mean the keys, that we have the keys, and that's what he means by us being free. Um, or that we were brought here in the first place. Right. Yeah, right. Which is kind of... I th- Kind of how I was interpreting the cages being opened. Is right, we right. We dropped off here. Right. As above, so below. Does that make you think of the underworld with your infernal background? I mean, it, it could. It, it, it could. Yeah. That's really, I don't know if I have any more thoughts on that specifically. I've never been great at riddles, so this is, you know, <laughs> a little difficult. And at the same time, this could also just be reiterating my prophecy. You know, it doesn't, I don't, it is, if it's a new prophecy, the only thing really added to it is the as above, so below. Right. Or just saying that the birds are already freed. Like they are yeah. freed now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I yeah. think the Can way that, we, what no, was, I'm so, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but what was, what was the wording on it again? Um, let's listen to that little bit one more time. Birds are freed. One by one, and the destroyer awaits. Yeah, so uh, um, I forgot what we were just talking about and why I replayed that clip. You, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to listen to the wording uh, for the birds are freed. Um, oh, yes, 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 yes. The birds are freed one by one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you say one by one in my prophecy yeah. multiple times. Yeah, that's... Because I originally, I'm glad actually that we went back and listened to it again because originally I was like, oh, it's just telling us that we're at a certain point in Flick's prophecy. But I actually think that the one by one thing is kind of interesting because if if we're interpreting that as reflecting upon your prophecy, then one by one would imply that we each have an event that frees us or that whatever, the birds each have an event versus it being... You know, we're all here and now we're free or whatever. Right. right. Maybe maybe there's still something to come as far as like us becoming free of whatever shackles we have. Yeah. <laughs> or it could or oh, now, it could now not I can be see Karin is thinking now. <laughs> yeah, her wheels are turning. It could also not be about us. I know. Right. That's and the, the birds thing. could be something else, you know? I mean that's uh, I mean, it obviously doesn't represent the temples because there are five. Yeah. Because um, that's what I thought. I was like, maybe it's the temples and we're opening them one by one. Right. But there are five. And uh, I don't know what okay, you had. A, is... You had an epiphany just now. 
this is I don't know if this is related, but just since we're since we're talking about the four birds and what else is for and there are four of us, something that we've never actually discussed is what does the symbol that is our like podcast logo and is on the can temple, I, what does it mean? Absolutely. Can I just say can I just say I so I I've known all of you for a while now. Um and in particular, Alex, I've known you for a very long time, but um, I feel like I'm about Taren, to get chastised. Taryn and I, Taryn and I have always sort of shared a brain in sort of a weird way. Um, and she and I have known each other for a while now. And and I have to say that the level to which you are beginning to mind meld with me, Karen, is <laughs> is approaching me and Taryn level. I was literally sitting here going, "Should I bring up the logo? I don't want to lead them too much, but." So well no. done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I knew something was like in the back of my brain when I when we were preparing for the episode. I was like, wait, there's something else. What was it that I was thinking about? <laughs> and like, it's that symbol, that symbol of four. Right. And, and where and where did you find it? Because you have seen it in game. Yeah, we've seen it was on the temple. It's on the temple. Yes. It's on the door. On the door of the temple, right? Yes, correct. Which so I'm doing this from memory, but the symbol itself is four circles connected to one main center, circle in the middle right which creates five which could be the five temples absolutely now, it could be yes that we have to consecrate all five of the temples to get to the finale i guess um <laughs> but the uh the idea that each one of us is represented in the temple i think is a very real possibility Hmm. Karen, I feel like you had something else that you were thinking about this symbol. That's the problem, is that I don't. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I feel like it has to be important, and I don't, I just, like, I keep trying to make connections, and I'm having difficulty, I'm having difficulty making the connections right now, even though I feel, like, I totally get that there's a world where, yeah, the four circles are, like, representing four for beings to come, for saviors, whatever, whatever, and that could be us. But I also feel like, I don't know, I feel like it might be something more obvious and we're just, like, missing it. <laughs> Absolutely. So and I think... there. Oh, go ahead. So there was a DM for a campaign, and he did kind of a topsy-turvy-like thing where he had his adventures actually be the villains without them knowing the players were unwittedly the evil characters. And I can't help but see that in our own <laughs> thing right now, because here we've come in, we've fucked up shit. We got the Cobalt's whole world upside down. We've killed the leaders of two major civilizations on this uh, island. And now like, the destroyer awaits like what if we're actually the destroyer i don't know i i see what you're saying i don't i don't actually think i'm right i just think it's an interesting thought yeah that is an interesting thought i am wondering now i'm i'm thinking a little bit more big picture and i want to keep focused but the logo i mean what if what if these other islands kind of what if there's another main island that all four islands are connected to in some way Mitt, going lights. back to the logo. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the other, yeah, that's I mean, a makeup of five yeah, islands. And, yeah, yeah makeup of that's five islands. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. And there's a main island that... Uh, and, and maybe they actually are connected. Maybe, you know, who's to say? 
but that's just another interesting thought when you're while while bringing up the logo and thinking of the four birds and one by one i think that's the thing is like we are truly going to go open them one by one or consecrate or whatever you know what have you um but obviously they if they if the cages are opened and in my vision in my prophecy they disappeared um i'm not saying that'll literally happen but what has disappeared is everything that everybody knew about the last refuge before we showed up. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've like the kobold the society, history. you know, the orcs, every, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't know. That's just me yeah. going off my rocker now. I mean, if we're interpreting it that way, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, like kind of like, doesn't really matter in the context of this, but it's it's interesting to think about, like, if we want to philosophically debate it, it's like, well, then the cages are, like, like it's a good thing the cages are gone, because, like Lydia Absolutely. was saying, like, it's, yes, it keeps you safe, but also it reigns you in. Exactly. Psychology, globalization, it's a, one of those discussions, too. It's, like, all, all of that, all of the above. Right. Yeah. Wow. Oh, um, I really want to know what the symbol means. <laughs> so, um, I, I, what were we talking about? You all were just talking about the logo, the symbols, um, and and you all have a couple of times. I, I just uh, the logo I, I islands. I hesitate to say this because I don't want to suggest anything one way or another. But there is an important sort of wording detail that I want to make sure that we're clear on, which is that um, what Gavriel told you was that there are five centers of power in this world. Not that there are five temples, that there are five centers of power. Right. Um, and so, you know, as you as you think about the logo and as you think about what this all means, I don't want you all heading down any, any specific paths for lack of information. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Sure. Um, I And I... And that goes back to when Flick decided to go consecrate the well. I mean, that is that is why he decided to go do that, because he thought that that was one of the centers of power. And, you know, yeah, just... just I, I think I'm saying that just to make sure that we all know that I think we did know that, and I think we got a little out of hand yeah, in our discussion. I agree. Um, I will say that having that brought to front of mind, um, the things that we know are that there are five... There are five areas we have powers, whatever, center of powers, and we know that two of them are temples. We know that there are four birds, and we know that there are four circles in the symbol. If we're interpreting the symbol as, um, you know, a map of the islands, I don't think it's crazy to think that there are four temples and there's something in the middle that is the last center of power that's perhaps on a hill that Bria will lead us to sure yeah yeah hopefully yeah I don't think I have anything to say what about you Lid? no like I said I'm no good at riddles so (laughs) you know I think that we've made some interesting connections as far as like the your original prophecy plus Agara's prophecy Um, yeah I think this was very helpful in making those connections for sure absolutely as for yeah. the next step, I, I don't know. That's well, who's to say. <laughs> we'll talk about yeah. that next week. <laughs> Before we talk about next step, uh, I just want to make sure, is there anything else that we want to sort of uh, ruminate on in terms of the prophecies, the symbol, the birds, the cages, anything at all? I think we need to find out why the cage bird sings. All right, get out. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Break the tension. Karin. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I mean, like, here's the thing, like, I could, like, 
turn these over in my head forever. Sure. Um, So I'm not sure that it's actually useful. Um, But I do think before we sign off, I do think, yeah, talking about like, next steps and what does this mean i would i would like to because like you said now that we've had a chance to sort of connect some dots uh in terms of these other prophecies um i i would like to know how that affects what you all plan to do next now obviously we're still waiting on bria and and i as i have already alluded to bria is going to have some additional information for you but even without that uh based on everything that we've talked about this week what how do we feel about what what's coming I think something bad is coming, regardless of whether we move to consecrate the temples or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that if we don't consecrate the temples, they're going to be consecrated by Flick's siblings. It seems like that is what they are. Um, it seems like what's that? that blah, 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 blah. It seems like that's what they're moving to, towards. Um, yeah. And I... I okay, and after talking about it and thinking about the power centers and the symbol and da 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 da, I am more and more convinced that once we open four temples, then we then that's when the beast will be released, and I think that's that final center of power sure. that will, uh, I don't know, we'll, influence we'll the reveal end itself in time of it all. Sure, exactly. Okay, other thoughts. So it sounds like the thought is like. Something bad is going to happen and you all want to try and mitigate it by at least consecrating this temple to what you know to be a not evil power. Well, that or, and I have a feeling, obviously, because I play this character, that, (laughs) (laughs) like, I feel that, I feel like we have two options. I feel like the options are either, yes, we consecrate this temple in the name of Daenerys because we know that he is good. Not evil. Quote. He's not evil. Uh, yeah, we know he's not evil. Right. I'll, yes. Um, I know that I for think a fact. That the other, <laughs> I think that the other option is that we give the keys to the guardians, we trust the guardians to take charge of them, and we go and we try to collect the rest of the keys to keep them out of the hands of Flick's siblings. Mm. And that way we don't completely upend this world. Like, sure, we're probably going to end up doing a lot of damage and changing the worlds, but it'll be a question of whether of what we think um will be more damaging or helpful in the long run. Sure. I think yeah, I think that it's going to be preventing your siblings from doing damage. That that's going to be our big goal, but again, maybe that's just where my character is coming from and I have a feeling that some other characters will feel diff- differently. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're going to have look- a hard time fighting Flick on that one. Yeah, I look yeah. forward to that. Great. Okay, well, it's a lot to think about. And and like I said, uh, Bri is going to give you some more information. We do have a few weeks before we are going to come back to the story where the decisions have to be made. Uh, but I think this was good and it was useful. And, and I hope that you all who are listening uh, found it interesting. If you have your own uh, ideas and theories about what some of these prophecies might be or your own ideas about what the party should do. Tweet us, send us an email. Uh, I want to hear what you all think as well. It's been, it's been interesting creating these prophecies as you all as characters have developed as well and figuring out, uh, how you are going to interpret different things. Um, so I am curious what everyone thinks, but I, I do think that is where we are going to stop for this week. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Last Refuge. Uh, be sure to listen next week to find out what's been going on with Bria. Uh, we are gonna, I'm going to sit down with Taryn, and we are just going to record a Meanwhile with Bria episode where we will get a little glimpse into what her months with the Guardians have been like. She's gained some interesting information uh, that's going to influence uh, Season 4 quite a bit. So tune in next week uh, when we release that episode, and then the week after that we will get back into the main story at the current timeline and begin season four. Does that mean level six? If you enjoyed your listening (laughs) experience, it would be righteous if you could leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast from. These five-star ratings and reviews really help our placement on these sites, help us get exposure, get new audience members. Uh, So please head on over, drop us a little rating, drop us a review. We would really appreciate it. Also, if you are spreading the word about this podcast by word of mouth and telling your friends, let them know that all of season one, they can get caught up on much more easily by listening to our episode recap episodes to give them a taste of the show and then they can decide to start listening to full episodes starting with season two you can of course reach out to us on twitter and instagram at at dnd last refuge that's at d the letter n d last refuge we'd love to have you follow us let us know what you think of the show of course you can also email us at dnd last refuge at gmail.com you can also join our patreon community you can pledge as little as one dollar a month to gain membership into an inner circle of fans uh, that get access to all sorts of cool benefits and perks like bonus content early access to certain episodes, character sheets, and more. Now that we are early in 2019, we are going to be looking at more ways to involve our patron community, uh, more perks, more ways to get you all engaged with the show. So now is a great time to join. Check out everything that you can get your hands on with our Patreon at patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge. We want to thank some of our awesome patrons right now. We want to thank our Shimmer Scale tribe leaders, Los Vargases and Eliyahu of Merc Grove. If you want to get shoutouts on the show, hop on over to patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge and become a patron. We also do have our website with character and player bios, fan art, and a link to that Patreon. That's at www.dndlastrefuge.com. As always, we want to thank BattleBards for providing a lot of the fantastic music you hear on the show and D&D Beyond for being awesome and incredible. Check out both of those services at BattleBards.com and dndbeyond.com. We also want to thank Robert Hupf, my story consultant for this campaign, and last but most certainly not least, all of you for listening. I am your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, also known as Eugenio, and with me I have... Lydia, also known as Bizdira. Karin, also known as Kit. And Alex... And flick. I just happy gaming, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>